Well, I first got drawn into this uh, out of my last project, which was uh, a, a kind of up-close uh, book about Occupy Wall Street in New York City in particular. And as the protests died down, I saw lots of these leading activists getting interested in, in cooperative business, a kind of business where you know democracy is practiced day-to-day uh, in a workplace or in a place you shop or whatever it is. Um, an economic democracy, and um, and I started just realizing what a long and deep tradition this was, how it has shaped U.S. social movements long before Occupy. And then a few years ago, in the midst of this, I moved out here to Colorado, where my family's from, and started realizing through the family history I was learning that cooperatives have really shaped their story, our story, and and my grandfather ended up becoming head of a, of a national cooperative uh, in the hardware distribution business. And actually, the farm that he grew up on never would have gotten electricity without uh, electric cooperatives uh, bringing the wires in. So I just realized this is a much deeper, uh, longer, more complex tradition, one that crosses political lines than I had realized and represents a real alternative to the way of doing business that has led to the financial crash now 10 years ago. Well, how prevalent are cooperative businesses right now in the U.S.? Well, you know, I, I've just been doing an exercise in my head lately where I go to a place that seems like a very kind of middle America sort of place, like go to an average strip mall, and you start realizing more you learn uh, about this tradition, how that work all around us. You know, if we look at, you know, the, the shopping mall in Boulder at Folsom and, and Arapaho, for instance, you know, you've got McGuckin Hardware, which is a member of Ace Hardware Cooperative, which enables it to get all the things it sells at a reasonable price. Um, you have a coffee shop that gets its coffee from cooperatives around the world. You have a, a store that's kind of dressed up like a farmer's market, um, kind of taking advantage of the organic food market that cooperatives really helped create in substantial ways. And, and the list just goes on and on. REI, credit unions on either side, an employee-owned bank uh, is, is going in in that area. So you see this model taking root, not necessarily marketing itself or, or announcing itself, but is actually this alternative to investor-driven capitalism that is already propping up our world in ways that we don't often uh, allow ourselves to see. Well, not only are these cooperative models an alternative, in many ways they're a real challenge to what we think of in capitalist-driven economies. So are barriers now being put in place by folks who maybe aren't as excited about the challenge that cooperatives pose to the paradigm that we currently have in, in capitalist societies? Actually, I think we have an opportunity right now uh, to take advantage of this model in new ways. In this moment of incredible polarization, very quietly, actually, legislation about cooperatives is moving forward in really interesting ways. We just had, a, through the latest defense authorization, a historic employee ownership bill supporting worker cooperatives and employee-owned businesses. We had, I think, a very problematic recent uh, reform of financial regulations, but it was really passed again, on a bipartisan basis under the pretense of supporting credit unions, which points to further opportunities, further recognition that legislators see that as a kind of common ground. So this is really a moment where, in the midst of this feeling that nobody can agree about anything, actually, you know, expanding employee ownership is on the 
platforms of both Democratic and Republican parties. The time, in some respects, has never been better to step this movement up and to uh, reclaim it as a kind of uniting force uh, in this country and and allow it to finally be uh, the kind of system change that we've needed over the last decade since the last crisis in particular. Well, it is 10 years since that last financial crisis. Many people, of course, still feeling the the effects of that. But how can a cooperative-based business or a cooperatively structured business, how can that insulate workers and maybe the owners or indeed entire communities from the effects of a financial meltdown such as what we experienced back in 2008? I think it's all about accountability. You know, the 2008 could be described as an accountability crisis. It was a, a crisis caused by the fact that our financial institutions are really not accountable to the people who depend on them. And cooperative businesses are all about uh, kind of correcting the accountability problem by making sure that a business is much more directly accountable to the people it serves. And so, you know, this is the reason why, you know, it wasn't credit unions that were engineering this kind of financial bunny business. It was institutions that were, you know, essentially accountable to forces, uh, to investors that are kind of hovering above the real economy and are not really directly impacted by it. And when you look at the effects of this um, of this crisis, we see in, in sector after sector that cooperatives were far more resilient, less likely to participate in mass layoffs, less likely to participate in the kind of risky, funny business in the, in the housing market, far less. So this just points to the need to, once again, as our country has in the past, like in the 1930s and, and in the late 19th century, recognize that that this model is something that we need to build on and, it's, and that the experiment and the small and medium scale efforts over the last few decades need to be much more amplified if we're going to have the kind of economic system that is really accountable to the people it claims to serve. Well, your book features lots and lots of examples of real success stories of cooperatively structured and owned businesses. And these are many stories that you also feature in the show, The Cooperative Power Hour, that's on KGN News. It's The Economy on the fourth Thursday of every month. And I know there are going to be lots of opportunities for people to uh, hear from you in person. And this evening at the Boulder Bookstore at 7.30, you're going to be talking about the book Everything for Everyone. And I believe there will be some members of local cooperatives there as well. That's right. You know, and, and one of the fun things about the Co-op Power Hour on, you know, on KGNU is we just never run out of amazing examples just in our region of people who are doing this kind of business. So, you know, we'll be hearing from somebody from the local housing cooperative community. We'll be hearing from a young president of a national cooperative of veterinary stores. And we'll also be hearing from Jason Weiner, who's one of our, our local cooperative lawyers, who's actually also a very national Uh, leader in this movement. These are just a few examples of the many, many people, even just in our area, who are pushing this movement forward and really deserve to be seen much more than, than they are for the kind of change that they're making. Well, Nathan Schneider, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. The new book is Everything for Everyone and you can catch the Co-op Power Hour on the fourth Thursday of every month at 6pm right here on KGNU. Nathan, thanks. Thank you so much, Maeve.